Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. Don't feel bad about putting your kids to work. They did it in the Bible, okay? Uh, Nor any of your animals. Somebody's got to... Teach me how to teach my dog how to vacuum. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested. Somebody say rested. On the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Um, We are in the third installment of our sermon series called Present Over Perfect. And it has been... A lot of fun and we have been talking about the pressures of daily life stealing our joy from today and so if you're stressed or overloaded uh, this has been your sermon series and I'm excited to share with you this third part of it um, the title of this message which I'll give you in a second is gonna sound a little contradictory to what you usually hear preached on Sunday here which if you come on any other Sunday you'll hear us preach the message of going we're big on going That's why we have Love Day. We want to be out in the community. We want to go and make a difference. So nine out of ten times you come on a Sunday, you're going to hear the words go come out of my mouth. But today we're actually going to flip the script because how many people know there's a time to go, but there's also a time to stop. And so I want you to tell two people, the person to your left or to your right, if you're on the aisle, there's nobody to your right than the person behind you (laughs) or your invisible friend. I want you to tell them the title this morning's talk. Real simple. You got to say it with some attitude, but also with some love. Stop it. Stop it. Yes. This is going to be your message. You are, if you're a workaholic, this is going to rub you the wrong way. If you're a lazy person, you're going to leave here with the wrong message. Your wife's going to tell you, I need you to clean up, and you're like, stop it. When you at church today, a man said, stop it. So be careful on how you take this because it can go both ways. But I really do believe it can bless your life because if you live any amount of time in this world, you will know that there are times in this world when you need to go and move and act and get a job and work hard and do overtime. But then there's also a time, which I feel like is relevant to today, where you need to stop. And this was really relevant for me last Sunday. How many people were here last Sunday? I, it, was, it was one of the, for me, it was one of the messages I was most excited, my favorite message preaching other than uh, launch day. You got to go back and hear it on the podcast if you hadn't. And God really moved last Sunday. It was special. But if you were behind the scenes last Sunday, and can I just be real with you? Is this okay? Can I be honest with you? I, I probably should have some type of persona up here, you know, fake it till you make it. But I just got to be real. Uh, last week was our 10th week. Of, uh, of church, and so we're just, we're honestly, we're, we, we, I hope you feel like everything's done, done well, but 
sometimes things happen that you don't see, that we see, and uh, we get here at 7 a.m. to open up and unload a bunch of equipment, and we got here uh, last week at 7 a.m., and uh, the guy who had the keys to open up the, the, the gate with all of these lights and stuff, he's lost the keys. And then we finally got the key an hour later, and we got in, and then the sound wasn't working. And then after the sound wasn't working, we tried to get the projector running, and then the projector wasn't working. People were coming into the worship experience. I was just apologizing to people. As soon as they started rolling, I was like, I'm so sorry. This is, this is, uh, what church is, this is uh, Christ the First uh, Church. And uh, Journey Church, no, that's, they rotate every Sunday. Journey Church will be here next Sunday. And, um, and uh, so, but it was, it was, and I was in the back, and, uh, I, and my, I'm, I'm a doer. And so my initial response was, do. The only problem is, I have no idea how any of this works. And so I'm in the back. And I, in the back, I run to the front. I'm in the front. I don't know what to do. So I run to the back. Then I'm in the back. And I'm like, I come back to the front. Then I go back to the back. I'm like, give me the remote. They're like, all right, give me the remote. I start hitting buttons. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a doer, you know. I look for plugs to start plugging stuff in. There's, I don't, I'm just trying to make stuff happen. And then in that moment, I had to stop. Felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Stop it. Stop it and remember why you do what you do. And remember that this church is much bigger than a, than a, than a moving light or a speaker or an instrument. It's about God's presence that fills this place. And if God shows up, people's lives are going to be impacted and people's lives are going to be changed and transformed. And I had to stop and remember why I was here in the first place and what was going on. And oftentimes we can get so caught up in the doing of life that we forget why we're here and what we're called to do. You know, and here's what I also realized, that um, I'm no different than you and you're no different than me. You might look at me and say, yeah, well, you got a church and you got a kids. That's a stressful job. But you know what I've learned? It doesn't matter what your job is, your job is stressful. Isn't that true? And you always think somebody else has a less stressful job, but it's not true. Uh-uh. Some of you people look at stay-at-home moms and you're like, I could do that. That's what I thought. In 2012, it was one Sunday. Liz, or Liz had to go do something and I was like, I'll stay home with the kids. This is going to be the best day ever. No, uh You've got to feed these humans. You've got to give them naps. At that point, there was diapers to change and now the kids are getting homeschooled. It's like, what? I didn't know I had to remember that stuff. I grew up, that's a lot of work, props to any stay-at-home mom, right? If you're, a, if you're an employee, you probably think, man, if I own the business, then I have all the time in the world. Uh-uh. See, when you're an employee, you work 40 hours a week, and you wait. If I could own the business, then I would tell, I would be able to charge my own schedule. You sure would. Instead of working the 40, you'd be in charge of the 80. So you can do whatever you want now with the 80 hours you got to work. That's how it is. And all you people that work and own businesses think, man, if only I was retired, then that'd be life. But I know retired people. They're always in the hospital. And so it's like, now you don't stress about paying bills. Now you're just trying to stay alive. It's like, you're stressful no matter what you do. You know, married people thinking, man, if I was single, then I'd have more time. And do you remember what it was like to be? I would not give anything to be single again, ever. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's more responsibility when you get married. But do you remember how stressful it was to have to leave the house making sure you were on point all the time? Because you never knew if the one was going to be at the frozen food aisle in Walmart. You never know. Got to have your makeup on 24-7. Make sure you get a haircut and you fade clean. Just going to the Walmart. That's a stressful life. Married people, what? We don't care. We just, I got you. You are stuck, girl. Going nowhere. It's stressful, man. And, uh, and, 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 and sometimes it gets so stressful that there actually, it actually has physical manifestations in our life. Anybody that something happens to your body when you get too stressed? Anybody here? Yeah. My wife, Liz, her whole chest gets red. You'll see it. If you start talking to her, if you ever want to know if you're bothering her, when you're talking to her, just take a look at her neck. It gets red. Uh, that's her tell. That's like her tell. Uh, for me, um, when I overwork, actually, I actually get sick. And I hate to admit it because I, I, and this is, again, shameful for me to admit, but it's the truth. I've gotten to the point now where I actually enjoy being sick. Half of you guys are like, this is the worst pastor, worst church ever. The other half of you guys are like, me too. Because when I'm sick, I have no excuse for not helping you. I'll be honest, I love helping people, and I love being there for people, and I love picking up my phone and, and counseling people and, guiding, and having meetings and preparing sermons. But as soon as I start to feel that cold come on, you know how they say you never touch your eyes? I'm like, I think I'm sick. <laughs> I get phone calls, hey, can you come preach this Sunday? And then I'll like, over-exaggerate, sorry, I actually can't right now. Battling a cold, like, I've come to this realization. I've actually admitted I'm okay. I'm enjoying being sick because it gives me an excuse to stop and to rest. I, I, I'm ashamed of my attitude, but I'm glad that my body knows its limits. And I'm starting to learn now that we have limits. You know, some of you guys think you're super workers. And can I just tell you, everybody has limits. And you need to start learning what your limits are or else you're going to start paying the price physically, emotionally, and oftentimes the first or last thing to go, it depends on the order, is your spiritual life as well. When you start to hit your limits. Even Jesus, God, when he was in human form, had limits. Look at this story. Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 46. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her, she came up behind him and touched the edge of Jesus' cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, and I know that they touched me because I felt power come out of me. We all touch people at different times and stages of our lives. Our husbands, we touch them when we serve them. Our wives, we touch them when we go out grocery shopping. Our friends, we touch them when we pick up that phone or answer that text or respond to that message. Our kids, when they're sick, we touch them. The people at work. And you have to understand, every time you touch someone or someone touches you, a little bit of what was in you gets drained. Every time you touch someone, you touch your job, you touch your workplace, you touch your spouse, even if it's the things you enjoy, because let's be honest, some people dream more than others. Just don't look at them. Don't look at them. Don't do it. But even the people we enjoy, everything that we do in life, we get a little bit more and more 
drink. And, and I want to encourage you today because I feel like I'm, I'm speaking to a room of people who maybe feel that way. Maybe you feel like, like you've been touching a lot of people and helping a lot of people and you've been giving a lot of hours to your work and you've been giving a lot of hours to studying and passing exams and, and getting ready and, and doing this and doing that and maybe you feel like your limit is just about there or you're starting to give out of things you don't even have anymore. You ever try to help somebody or have a conversation with somebody but you don't even have the strength to have that conversation or help them? You are just tapped out. I want to encourage you today. God knew that you were like that because he created you and he has an answer for your struggle. And he has an answer for your emptiness. And he has an answer for your limits. He gave it to us when he gave us the fourth commandment. God knew that we had limits. And so when he pulls the people out of Israel in Exodus chapter 20, he wants to give them a new life. He says, here's the fourth commandment. Keep the Sabbath. Do you know what the word Sabbath means in Hebrew? It literally means stop. Stop what you're doing and just remember me. God knew that you had limits, and so his solution to your limits was to give you a day or a moment in your day where you just stop. Isn't that amazing? I think that's so cool because he was speaking to a people who had been slaves for 400 years. Could you imagine what it's like being a slave for 400 years? At that point, you don't even know that you're a slave because the culture has been passed down for eight generations that you just live life like a slave, not even knowing you're a slave. You know what I'm saying? Like the very first slaves are like, oh, man, this sucks. Like I got to work, 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 and I got to work, and, and I got to do all this stuff, and, and then I got to go home, and I don't have any time to give to my family because I'm so exhausted and I'm working. But by the second generation and the third generation and the fourth generation, it just becomes culture. You just you stop thinking that you're a slave, and you start thinking this is life. And when the people get free from Egypt, God gives them a bunch of commands. Hey, I want to give you a better life. Uh, 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 don't murder anybody. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't have no other gods. And here's one that you need to listen to. Stop it. Stop working so much. Stop emptying yourself so much. You need to have a day in the week where you can just appreciate life and all the things that I've given you. And if God, if you hear one thing from me today, it's this. God is telling you there are some things in your life that you're just continuing and you're giving and you're giving and God is giving you permission, permission to stop it, to be able to enjoy the gifts that he gave you, to be able to enjoy this Zoe life that God gives us. That was a reference from last message. God has a better life for you and it actually does include rest, which blows uh, my mind because I can't understand how resting is a commandment. That blows my mind because uh, uh, to think that it's in the same line as murder and stealing and uh, adultery, uh, that's crazy because those things, two things come to my mind when I hear that. One, how come I've never heard that before? And two, why is it that bad? Why is not resting or not stopping uh, so bad? The answer to the first question is probably just American culture, right? Why don't we hear more messages like this? Why don't we hear people telling us to stop? It's easy because working to three in the morning is actually a badge of honor in our country. Not taking a day off is actually the thing that gets you promoted in our country. America has taken, listen to that, I love my country, but America has taken what 
what God intended to be a vice and has turned it into a virtue. Something that God said this is bad for us is the thing that gets us from, and so we don't hear about it because we're, we're used to it and it's expected of us to give, 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 give. That's an easy question to answer. The second question was a little more tricky. Why is this so bad? I mean, if I'm working a lot, the only one who's suffering is me. How could it be as bad as stealing and adultery and murder? Unless, of course, you're working so much that you're stealing time from your kids. Unless, of course, that you're giving so much to your hobbies and your business that the one you're cheating on with your wife is your business. Unless the only thing that's dying is, well, not people, but it's your friendships. Can you see how sometimes not taking a stop can damage your life and actually take away from you? And this is where you got to take a new perspective on the Bible. The Bible doesn't want to take away things from you. The Bible wants to give things to you. It wants to give you a better life. And so when the Bible says stop, take a pause, take a break, it's God actually trying to add to your life. Not take away from you. But what is God trying to add to your life? Energy? No, because you can have energy and still be exhausted. Anybody sleep 10 hours and wake up and be like, what is life? Why am I still stressed? Why am I still heavy? God's not trying to give you just energy. He's not trying to get you to sleep so you can get the bags out on your eyes. He wants to give you something else, something better, something special. What is it that thing he wants to give us? Well, let's take a look into the scripture because I think it's the same thing he was trying to give himself when he stopped. Because, you know, God stopped one day too. God was the very first person to take a Sabbath. Let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the sixth day. And now here comes the seventh day. On the seventh day, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, when God had finished all that he was doing, on the seventh day, he rested. Or the other translation that is, he stopped. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he stopped from all the work of creating and he that he had done i was always confused about this first because i didn't know what the word really meant i was like what do you mean god rest why would god rest like does god need sleep does god get tired and then i knew in other passages of scripture that god never got tired and then i found out that the word actually means stop but it still blew my mind why would god stop why not just keep going on and creating why not like and on the seventh day he thought it'd be pretty cool if people could fly and so on the seventh day, he gave us wings. You know, like, why didn't he just keep on going? Why stop at the seventh day? And I never understood it until I created a little human being of myself. My very first child, Justice, I remember, I don't remember a lot from that day. Because it was very, there was drugs and there was crying and screaming and for my wife, drugs for my wife. That was not for me, just, you know, the needle. Gosh, get your minds out the gutter, guys. Um, there was a lot of crying, a lot of screaming, a lot of doctors. But what I do remember was what it felt like the whole next day. We had a ton of stuff to do. Church was still going on. Ministry still had to happen. I was still even in class, still studying, still going to school. And all I could remember that entire day was looking at the little human that we made. 
and her and I looking at him and breaking down every feature into his and mine. And we're like, oh, he has your nose. Thank God he doesn't have your nose. And okay, he's got your ears. And he's got your forehead. She's got this. And he's got that. And I don't know where that one came from. I mean, my grandma, my grandpa, I'm not sure. And for a whole hour or for the whole day, we would just stare and we would just look and we would just appreciate. Do you know why God stopped on the seventh day? So that he could pause and take a look. See, because on the sixth day, he made you. And you were so beautiful. And you were so just glory, and you were so special and so unique that when he had made the trees and he had me on the seventh day, he had to stop and he had to say, damn. I mean, I don't know if God says that, but he was like, damn, stop. Angel, stop. I want everything in here to just stop. And he pulled up a chair. Again, that's just my imagination. A celestial Mars. He just pulled up Mars and just sat on Mars and just, and you know what he did on the seventh day? He got some perspective and looked at all of the amazing things that he had created and that he had and thought, wow, look at how much I have and look at how good and awesome this thing is that I have done. And I think that's the same thing God wants to give you when he tells you to stop. Because sometimes we can't appreciate the things that God's given us in our life or the things that we have because our life is go, 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 go. God gave me a sentence that I feel is going to break something free in your life. But it's so simple. It's, so, it's profound, but it's so simple that unless I illustrate it, it's not going to mean nothing to you. And so I had to think of an illustration to back up this point. And so here's my illustration. I took a picture yesterday. I took a picture yesterday, and this was the picture that I took. What is that, a sonogram? I have no idea. Right? I have no idea what that picture is. The reason why I have no idea that picture is, is because when I took it, I was running, trying to take a picture of something that I thought was, was, was cool, and I thought was beautiful, but I couldn't really capture it because I was running so fast. So I paused, set up my phone, took the picture again. Same picture, same picture, but taken at a different speed. Put them side by side. The problem is, a lot of your lives feel like this. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. You feel like you have nothing. It's a blur because you're moving from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And you think, man, I got nothing in life. Nobody loves me. This is, but if you would just pause and look at the things in life that you really have, then you can appreciate the things in life that you really have. Here's my sentence for you. And now that you've seen the picture, hopefully this will resonate with you. Real simple. If life is blurry, stop moving. If life is blurry, stop moving. Maybe the reason why you think that you have nothing is because you haven't stood long enough in one, you haven't stopped long enough to see it, to do what God did when he made you and say, wow, my goodness, look at that and look at that. And so if you have a child, let me encourage you. Why don't you stare just two more minutes into your child's eyes before you put them to bed at night? Or before you go to sleep and you start to breathe, have you ever thought about the amazing creation that is your lungs? The things that move in and out that you don't even force or try to do that just keep you alive? Have you ever taken a second to just appreciate the fact that you can breathe and not even work at breathing? If you've got somebody in your life to kiss, I... 
when you leave the when you leave when you leave this worship experience, I dare you just kiss them for two seconds longer. Unless you're single, then just keep it right where it was. <laughs> kiss them just two seconds longer. Why? Because if you keep moving. And if you never stop, you're always going to live an ungrateful, frustrated life. And what I want to tell you is not that God wants to give more to your life, even though he does. What I really want you to leave here knowing is that he's already given you so much. He's already given you so much. You don't have to be sad and depressed and down. Just take a pause and look at all the good things that he's added to your life. One time Jesus was preaching, or the Beatitudes, it was the very first sermon that he ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And it's this thing where he says, uh, everything that he says starts with blessed are. You remember that? He goes, blessed are the, the poor, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are the hurting, and blessed are the broken. And you, you look at the other half of that, and you think, man, I don't want to be any of those people. Because, oh, that sucks. I don't want to be poor, or broken, or empty. But look at the first part. He doesn't say blessed they will be. He says blessed Oh, I want you to tell three people right now, tell them, I'm blessed. Tell them right now, tell them, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And tell them back, tell them, you're, and you're blessed. And you're blessed. And you're blessed. Sometimes you just need to say, say that before you get up in the morning, before you leave. In that bed when, when it's all cold and you, got that, and you don't want to get up to work and you just, you know, just, just I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And watch how your perspective on life changes, although nothing around you changes. When you just take a moment to stop. Wait a minute. Sorry. But I'm not going to finish it. <laughs> Put some Jesus in it. Um, just stop. Just stop and appreciate all the amazing things you have. And can I tell you, it's not just the things around you that you begin to appreciate. When you begin to stop and take a break in your life, you also get to appreciate not just the good things, but the God who gave you the good things. Did you know that? Sometimes we, we, we put God on trial for not being the God that we thought he'd be in our life. But maybe it's not God's fault that we don't see God moving. Maybe the reason why we don't see God moving is because he is moving, but we're moving faster than God. And we don't get to see the things that God's doing in our life because, again, it's a blur. I think some people are afraid of, of letting go of their responsibility because they're afraid that if they, if they take a day off or if they break or if they pause or if they take a moment to just stop, the world around them is going to collapse. But that's only if you believe that God stops working when you stop working. And can I tell you the truth? God does not stop working when you stop working because he loves you and he cares for you and he's working when you're not working. And so sometimes you need to learn to trust God more so that you can stop in your life and take a break and let go. I'm going to ask Karina. I've been messing with her all week. Could you come up here real quick, Karina? Come on up here real quick. You're going to be my illustration uh, for this message. Guys, give it up for uh, Karina. You might not know Karina. Um... But Karina is actually a big part of the Journey Church team. Uh, we love Karina. She is the uh, lead of our admin team. You can look out there. It's okay. Uh, she's the lead of our admin team. And uh, oh, there's a t-shirt. Sure. She's the lead of our admin team. Karina does so much work, guys. That's not even funny. And she's a volunteer. She doesn't even get paid. Nobody gets paid. Just FYI, uh, including myself. And I take pride in that, by the way. We all take pride in that because we feel like we do. So that's our payment for the fact that we do it last week for you. Um, she does a lot. So I'm just going to go through a list of some of the stuff that we do. Uh, 
collect all the cards at the end. It's just a team that does it with you. So she leads this team. Uh, input data information. Uh, if you call Journey Church, there's an app that sends your call to her cell phone. So her cell phone, she gets that. She answers all the emails. Um, every time we have food, it's like now you're becoming like a, like a in-house chef. Like you coordinate all the food um, with everybody. What's that? 7 a.m. in the morning, she's here. Here's my point. There are a lot of things that running a church entail that I had to do that were a lot of work for me. But Karina, what I know about Karina and what I've seen through time is that she loves Journey Church, loves Jesus. She's just a bunch of lame dudes. And I think that's one of the reasons why she works so hard. And so when I delegate something to Karina or when I ask Karina to help, I want you to know. I go to bed at night, because I know it's going to get done, because of the kind of person that you are, um, and yeah, because you're awesome, and the kind of person that you are, I can go to sleep knowing that people are getting called, and that emails are being sent, and the connection cards are being filled out, I get to rest, because I know that someone loves me, and loves this church, and loves Jesus so much, that they're willing to work when I'm not working. You need to know, because some of you are having trouble going to bed at night because you got so much on your to-do list and you got so many things to check off and so many people to help and so many things to get done. You need to know that when you go to bed at night, there's somebody who loves you and loves your job and loves your family and loves your future and loves your destiny way more than you do. And they're going to keep working for you when you go to bed. And that person is God the Father who is in control of all of the world. You can go to bed at night. And let me tell you, when you go to bed at night, you need to check out. You need to throw all your stresses and all your, like I do on Karina. Karina, we got an event next Saturday, Dream Team Brunch. RSVP, right? RSVP. She's on you. I go, I know the food's going to be there. I know people are going to be there. Why? Because I know she loves it. And so I'm able to throw that on her. And that sounds bad. I'm able to share it with her. And I want you to know God is there for you. And he's not going to clock out on your life. If you just be willing to put it on him, he'll handle it. Just give it to him. As you're sleeping, he's working. When you're resting, he's, at a, he's, he's doing what he's doing because he loves you. Because he loves you. Thank you, Karina. Give it up for Karina. He's got your back. He's not going to let you fall. This is what the Bible says. Look, in Matthew, listen, if you have trouble sleeping at night, this is your verse. Is your verse, Matthew chapter, chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not, is, is not life more than food and the body more than choices? Next verse. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's the question you need to ask yourself at night when the, when the weight of your debt is, is pressing on you. And you're like, dang, how am I going to pay this off? How am I? And you're sleeping and you're one. Just, just know, one, what is that accomplishing? But two, there's a better way you can spend that time. Instead of wasting it on something that has no fruit, why don't you put your trust in God and watch your faith grow as a result? So he said, you can't gain anything by worrying. The flowers are dressed and the bird has a home and God loves you more than any of them. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. God has got your back. Do not worry about tomorrow. Throw your fears.
knees and cast your cares on God. Stop. Rest. Let the Lord work when you're not working. So some of you guys are probably thinking, well, this sounds cool. I want to take a stop day. I want to take a Sabbath. How do I do it? Well, first off, it doesn't have to be a day. It doesn't even have to be an afternoon. You can just go on a Sabbath walk. You can have a Sabbath 30 minutes. The point is not to add another activity into your life. The point is to get your focus off of doing and get your focus on, listen to this, being. Just be. Can you just be for a moment? Just be. Stop sweating all the things you got to do. Stop sweating all the things you got to accomplish. Stop sweating all the, all the goals and all the expectations that you put on yourself that God didn't even put on you. Just let it all go and just be. You know what God's advice to you is this morning? Look at this. Look, I put three scriptures out that I'm hoping are going to bless your life. And you need to hear this. Psalms 37, 7. Be still. Someone say be. Be still. Not do that, do this, act on that, act on this. It was just be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. That's like, don't worry about he's doing what she's doing. I got you. Next verse. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And this is probably my favorite. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only. That's, that's crazy. It didn't say you need only to go on a 40-day fast. To memorize 28 verses of scripture. To learn every Hillsong song and be up here and God says I'll fight your battle just be just be and I got you just be did you know sometimes the hardest thing to do in life is not to do is not to do you know sometimes the hardest thing to do in life is to just cross your arms and just be just be loved just be appreciated just be in love with God just be trusting just be having patience and, and be having faith that God is going to act on your, on your behalf. Just be. When your future is up in the air, you don't know what's going to happen. Just be. I want you to write this down if you can. It will be on the screen or take a picture of it or whatever. But this is a phrase that I wrote to help you remember. Sometimes we overestimate what we can do and underestimate what God has done. We overestimate who we should be underestimate who God says we are. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle at night with these expectations over my life that I put on myself, trying to be somebody, you know, trying to force the way through, trying to, trying to accomplish things that maybe God didn't call me to accomplish. And, and when I get like that, I have to remind myself of two things. Number one, God is, what God did on the cross was more than enough. I don't have to accomplish nothing because of what he's accomplished already. And two, as much as I want to be someone who makes a difference, and as much as I want to be someone who leaves a mark on this world, and as much as I want to be someone that people can come to for hope in life, as much as I want to be those things, I got to be careful not to overestimate who I want to be, but at the same time not underestimate who God already says that I am. Before I breathed a breath in this world, God said, mighty conqueror. 
know what I'm saying? Before I ever preached a message, God said, you are my son. Before I ever helped or fed a homeless person, God said, I love you. And you need to receive over your life today who you are and put away who you want to be or who you're trying to be and just be. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.